Welcome back to the latest edition of the Dolphins in Depth show. I am caddy of the show, Armando Salguero, star of the show, Adam Beasley, fresh off his lovely Easter vacation. Uh, lovely Easter vacationing star of the show, Adam Beasley. How was your lovely Easter? Well, uh, I went to Pennsylvania. My, my family lives in central PA. It was fantastic to see them, but it was a little chilly, Armando. Uh, the, uh, the the first full day I was there, it was in the 20s. And the second full day I was there, it started out in the uh, high 30s, low 40s. But you know what? I managed to play a round of golf. I was not going to be deterred. I bundled up. Maybe I had a little of spirits to, to, to warm the cockles of my heart. And I went out and played some golf. And it was uh, it was a really nice weekend. Saw the family. And I was telling you off there, I made a, a fantastic prime rib and uh and lived a quieter lifestyle for a couple days before coming back to the hustle and bustle of south florida it's not right to be on vacation if you don't somehow enjoy some sort of roasted flame broiled or otherwise grilled meat it it must be uh must be an availability part of any vacation i highly recommend it unless of course you're eating lobster (laughs) <laughs> well, we didn't go the seafood route. I did have um, uh, some crab because you can't get a Maryland crab down here, or you can, but it's not the same. But uh, I, I had uh, a, a, a crab product. It was tot, tots, loaded tots with crab dip on top. That was fantastic. Uh, food's different up there. I mean, you, it's weird to think about it, but the cuisine is heartier. People may be a little heavier there because they enjoy the heartier cuisine. Oh, hey now. I'm just hey. speaking – I'm not exactly uh, speaking with specificity, but the the numbers do bear it out. I grew up in, I think I was born in one of the fattest counties in America. So uh, they, uh, but they eat well. I mean, the food is fantastic. It just is, you know, yeah, butter butter fried lard essentially is what half the uh, half the menu is, and I love every bit of it. Clearly, one of the problems with the Philadelphia Eagles and the Pittsburgh Steelers, obviously, <laughs> uh, issue with with all their, you know, the Steelers have no offensive line, the Eagles have no quarterback, no wide receivers, and but they do have the Dolphins' first round pick in 2022. So, um, yeah, great, wonderful. What? Let me ask you this. So, for a second, we're let let's go back two weeks to that trade, and mm-hmm. it was the twin trades. Um, why did the Eagles decide that they preferred the Dolphins draft pick to the San Francisco 49ers draft pick in the first <laughs> round of 2022? I, I see what you're doing here, Armando. I, <laughs> well, logic would suggest they think the Niners are going to be better than the Dolphins this year, correct? Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What's, what's more fascinating to me is Jalen Hurts uh, knows with wa- eyes wide open that he's got probably about eight or nine starts, maybe 10 or 11, to, to, to prove that he's their franchise quarterback because the, the Eagles have two and possibly three first round picks uh, in 2022, the, the trade with the Dolphins, obviously, and the trade with um, the Colts involving Carson Wentz being a first rounder. 
So the way the Dolphins have owned the draft the last couple of years, the Eagles are going to own it in 2022, and there will be no team better positioned to go get their franchise quarterback because they will have gobs and gobs and gobs of assets. Uh, you raise a wonderful philosophical question, by the way, with your last comment that I want to get to in a second. But let me just say, um, for the record, caddy of the show record. So we don't know what teams are going to do in the future. I think that's inarguable. You know, a couple of years ago, the Dolphins tr- made a trade of Minka Fitzpatrick to the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers were 0-4 at the time, I think, or 0-2, and looking like poop. And the Dolphins decided that's the team we want to trade with, knowing that there were other teams that were, you know, in the in the offing for Minka. And they traded with the Steelers because the Steelers had a bad record and a bad, um, you know, likelihood up ahead. The Steelers ended up picking 18th. Mm-hmm. They They rallied with some quarterback named Duck. <laughs> and and they went eight and eight, I think, or seven and nine. And meanwhile, the L- Laramie Tunsil trade, which is the gift that keeps on giving, God bless them. You know, they traded with a team that had won divisions and and had been to the playoffs and won playoff games. And now they they, as a result, this year at least, that turned into the number three overall pick, which obviously. They traded, you know, down, but it was the three number three overall pick. So you never know uh, who is going to do what. But I, I'm a little uncomfortable with the fact that the Eagles picked the, you know, <laughs> the 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 Dolphins pick and not the San Francisco pick. And why would the Dolphins give them that choice anyway? Yeah, yeah. these are questions I'd love to get answered. We haven't had a chance to talk with Chris Greer or Brian Flores since those trades were made, but we'll certainly have – I mean, Chris will have a pre-draft press conference. Uh, Brian might be involved as well. So we'll have a chance in the next couple of weeks to ask them that. But it's it's a great question. And um, also, uh, you know, kind of a parallel question is, why was it that important for you to get back up to six? And we've talked about it. You've written a great column about it, how six is no guarantee to get one of the two elite skill position players because everyone and their mother knows quarterbacks are going to go one, two, and three, but the Falcons are kind of that pivot point of the entire first round or at least the top 10. What they decide, do they take a quarterback or do they pick up, you know, perhaps a generational talent in Kyle Pitts or a seven, eight time pro bowler in Jamar Smith to give Matt Ryan the weapons to make one more run? Or, as we've learned more in the last couple of days, do they consider trading out? And with whom do they trade out with? You have to assume that whoever's going to be able to pay that premium to move up to the four spot is going to do so for a quarterback. Just like the Niners weren't going to give up three first-round picks to go get a position player, whoever is going to go from, say, it's the Broncos from nine to four, that'll probably take a, it'll obviously take a premium pick. It might take another one to do that. You don't give up two ones to go get, say, you know, a, a position player. So, no, I, I, I think it's, it's, it's fascinating, the, the, the strategy involved, the information that Chris probably had or thought he had uh, when, he, when he made that decision that six was a good value for them. Because let's be honest, and I've gotten some heat for it on Twitter, and you probably have as well because I think you share this opinion. Um, Jamar Chase 
and uh, Kyle Pitts are a cut above Devontae Smith. Not saying Devontae Smith would, wouldn't help. Uh, he absolutely would. But those two players are elite, elite, elite athletes, elite, elite, elite talents. And I would say Devontae Smith is only one of those two things. He's a really good player that is built like a kick returner. So let me share my opinion with you because uh, you stated it pert near, if not plum, right on the money. But there <laughs> is there is there is daylight between us. So I recognize that from a prospect perspective, Kyle Pitts and Jamar Chase are better prospects than Devonta Smith. Uh, I get that. They're both bigger, stronger. They're $6 million men, and and Smith is $4 million, okay? Mm-hmm. So I get that. They're bigger, stronger, faster. But I like <laughs> the player, the football player that Devonta Smith is. I, I, I There's something about that kid that I just love, mm-hmm. and he's a baller. And I think he's going to be a baller in the NFL. And I love his grit. And I love his tenacity. And I love the fact that he's going to come into the NFL with a chip on his shoulder, despite the fact that he is a Heisman Trophy winner. And on the day that the Miami Dolphins pick him, if that's what happens, I'll be totally fine with it. Because to me, let, I'm going to be just very frank. Look, I understand Jamar Chase had uh, family uh, thoughts and and safety thoughts in opting out. But Devonta Smith played through. And I understand Jalen Waddell had no, no um, you know, say over getting injured. But Devonta Smith didn't get injured and played through. So I like guys that play through. I like durability. I like moxie. I like courage in my, you know, in the football players. What can I tell you? No, and, and, and certainly that is part of the evaluation process. Here's what worries me, Armando. Uh, when when Devontae Smith uh, arrived at Alabama, Nick Saban told us this, I think, last week or the week before, um, that Devontae Smith arrived weighing 159 pounds. And uh, what did he weigh in at 171 or something during his pro day? Something, something around that area. Yeah. In that range. Okay. He, he, he worked on his body to get to 170 pounds without question because he knew the questions and the issues and the concerns surrounding his size. So it was important for him to be at 170 plus for that weigh in. However, Armando, he didn't run, right? He didn't run a 40 which to me says he was concerned about how fast he would run at that weight. Uh, if, 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 he, if he thought he was as fast as ever, putting on 12, 13 pounds, wherever he needed to, to get up to a weight that we didn't completely crush him for, mm-hmm. it means he may have lost a half a step to do that. And to get back to his prime playing speed, he's going to probably back to 165 or something like that. So again, you know, if a DB doesn't touch him, it's fine because he is, he, I mean, he has got great, great escapability. And he is, he gets open against, I mean, he destroyed the SEC. He destroyed Clemson. He destroyed NFL caliber players. And and so I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that it's going to be a huge leap for him to do that. But, you know, it's a grind. Every single, 
Every single person that steps on, a fo- on, on the football field is an NFL player. Every single fo- player that does. Maybe in 2019 we can joke that a couple of the Dolphins weren't actually NFL players. They just had NFL contracts. But really, Alabama, LSU, Clemson, uh, Florida, these elite teams that, that turn out elite players – only say maybe 25 to 30 percent of those rosters are NFL players. So when Devontae Smith has to go up against 100 percent NFL players every down, every week, every month, every year, I am worried about his durability. It's, and, and, and maybe he'll prove me wrong and he'll go out and he'll be the Iron Man and he'll catch 120 balls a year and he'll have a Hall of Fame career and I'll look like an idiot. But to me, the fact that you have concerns, or at least I do, and I'm sure many in the scouting community do, about how he'll hold up over the course of a 17-game season, because there's 17 games now, um, that to me knocks him down at least three or four spots in the draft. That's fair. All of that is fair. And what I'm speaking of is merely uh, instinct and have you know trusting my eyes. But let me say this. Uh, it's unfair to say he didn't run, because last week – when Mac Jones and Alabama did Pro Day Part Deux, uh, Devonta Smith ran routes. Mm-hmm. And everyone was there, including Chris Greer and, you know, the Dolphins contingent of three people. And so, uh, or was Chris Greer not there in Brian Floyd? No, Chris Greer was there. So, because Chris Greer loves Alabama. He does love uh, Alabama. <laughs> University of. So... He ran, and guess what? I watched that that throwing session. He's fast, and it's not fast that you time on a stopwatch uh, in a in a sterile environment. It's fast on a football field. He's mm-hmm. football fast, and he's more than fast enough. And I mean, he's just smooth. That dude is like butter. Well, that, yeah, that's that's what really impresses me is his suddenness and how effortless he makes it look. That is that, that is rare what he's able to do. Certainly, I, I I do think that there's a reason he didn't run a forty though because he knew he, he wouldn't post a time that'd be impressive. Uh, look, or he's the Heisman Trophy winner. He's gonna. I'm sure that there are. You know, I don't know, man. Uh, look. I saw what I saw on the football field. Jimmy Johnson once said, you know, I I didn't want to uh, draft Emmett Smith because I saw his 40-yard time and everybody's telling me he's too slow. And then I watched him play in high school again. And then I watched him play in college again. And all he did was make plays and uh, perform. And guess what? They drafted him. I think he did okay, (laughs) Emmett Smith. And, by the way, Jarvis Landry, he ran a 4-6-8. And and certainly no, not to disparage Jarvis, but if you take uh, Devontae Smith sixth overall, he better be better than Devontae. He better be better than Jarvis Landry. He better be better than Devontae Parker. He better be better than anyone. Oh, yeah, I I understand. You've got to be – Jarvis is a good, good, good football player. Uh, I, I ran the history on this. Players taken in the top six are supposed to be dynamic, eight or nine time Pro Bowler, and in the conversation for the Hall of Fame. And the Hall of Fame has there's been 85 drafts, I believe. This is the 86th, or this is the 85th. There's 80 some odd drafts. 
And historically, the number six pick has made has made the Hall of Fame 11 times of that 85. And that doesn't even count the guys who were drafted in the last 15 years who aren't eligible yet. So, yeah, maybe more like 11 out of 70. So one out of seven, you should be taking a Hall of Fame player at, at six. And the Dolphins haven't done that. They haven't drafted a Hall of Fame player since, what, Jason Taylor? Um, who knows? Maybe Mingo Fitzpatrick will someday be a Hall of Famer, but he won't go in as a Dolphin, certainly. Um, but, no, you need to have a Hall of Fame player caliber player or a eight or nine time four or five time all uh, pro bowler all pro at that pick and Jarvis Landry God bless him is not that I mean he's a very good player he's not that Jarvis Landry is borderline making a pro bowl you know case for himself and not a pro bowl hall of fame case for wow we, wow you think Jarvis is in the hall of fame conversation he's got three 1100 yard seasons the guy's got 636 catches, like, now, after, what, uh, seven years. He's averaged almost 90 catches a year. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, is is, 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 Wes, is Wes Welker a Hall of Fame candidate? Wes Welker, is, Jarvis Landry, God bless him, is better than Wes Welker. Wow. You don't think so? I think they're the same guy. You I think, think they're, they're I, the same guy. I think they're glorified running backs, to be honest. Okay. Uh, I mean, in 2019, Jarvis averaged 14.1 yards a catch. Pretty good. I don't know, man. Uh, look, the, I would say that if you tell Dolphin fans, Dolphin fans, uh, Devonta Smith is going to be and post numbers like Jarvis Landry did. Are you okay with that? Uh, or I think they would, take the I, field. I think they would want. I think they'd want more touchdowns. I mean, Jarvis Landry isn't isn't really a touchdown producer. Uh, they they need to score they points. Got a good team around him. <laughs> There's that. When they yeah. didn't, uh, I think his last year in Miami, he had nine. So I mean, look again. Uh, this isn't the bash Jarvis Landry <laughs> uh, podcast show. Uh, this is – I'm just saying I think Devonta Smith is going to be better than Jarvis Landry. I don't have any problems with him. He's six foot one. He's not 5'9". Uh, and someone made – there's a scout that made a point to me that I am not going to forget. He said – I said – I raised a question to him about, you know, the size, the 171 pounds, and he said, well, that's that's not – a lot, but it's also not a lot to hit. Yeah, no, there, there, there's something to that. Um, I, I would say this, and then we got to go to break. Uh, Jarvis for his career is 11.1 yards a catch and, and five touchdowns a season. If that's all, all you get out of your number five over, or six overall pick, I think that's a failure. I think I think you uh, with, with a player you take it that has to be averaging for his career 14, 15 plus. With eight touchdowns a season, that 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 has to be the baseline because that's what history has shown. The number six pick has produced. There's only been, I think, of the eighteen, of the last twenty drafts, there have been eighteen non-quarterbacks taken, and of those eighteen, I think the number is twelve Pro Bowlers and nine or ten All Pros. So you have a fifty-fifty chance and a two and three chance of of having an All Pro and a Pro Bowler, uh, you know. At that pick. And so I think Jarvis at the number six pick would be the average of what that produces. And you want to do better than average. 
I think Jarvis has 7,000 yards in seven seasons. I think Dolphin fans would be fine. <laughs> All right, let's go to break because on the other side, Armando, I want to do the new power ranking of quarterbacks in the AFC East. I thought you were going to do a different power ranking. I look forward to this. All right, I'm curious now. What power ranking did you think I was going to do? The power ranking of briskets versus, uh, <laughs> you know, versus prime rib versus filet mignon, all sorts of meat power rankings that you, uh, you know, cook on your holidays. Yeah, no, uh, I was telling you off air that usually in the holidays we're a catering family, but since I was up north, I thought I would uh, flex some uh, flex some muscle, show off my skills around the uh, the kitchen, and it did come out really good, man. There's not there's nothing better than properly cooked uh, prime rib when it's a high end cut of meat. It's just it, it's just fantastic, and it makes it makes the holiday special. It really does. This is the difference between being star of the show and caddy of the show. Star of the show. Uh, you know, engages in inane meat talk on the holidays, <laughs> and people love it. Caddy of the show engages in inane meat talk on the holidays. People, uh, you know, show up with pitchforks and clubs to, <laughs> on the podcast headquarters. Uh, that's the way it works. You had a power ranking. Hit me. Okay. So is Tua Tungaveloa now the unquestioned number two best quarterback of the AFC East? Uh, okay, so let's go through it. Well, Josh, um, Allen, Josh Allen's obviously number one. Agreed. So uh, the Cam question Newton? is, would you take Tua this year over Cam Newton? Because uh, unless Zach Wilson is like the second coming, coming of, Bing, of Big Ben and goes from a smallish school to a or non power five at least school to a um to a you know a twelve win season or whatever it was Big Ben did as a rookie. Um the Jets are gonna have some growing pains no matter who their rookie quarterback is and we all assume it's Zach Wilson. So we can put him in as four now. Who who would you take, I guess, Tua or Cam Newton in two thousand and twenty one? Or Zach Wilson. <laughs> you would still take Zach Wilson, huh? No, no. So look, I this conversation is a uh, is is great fodder for a show, but I think ultimately it's 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 just we're wasting our time because of the following. If you're talking about guys that aren't the best, your chances of being the best team in that division are very slim. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think you can look at it throughout. No, I. Who won the AFC West the last few years? I think the Kansas City Chiefs and the Chiefs. Who has the best quarterback in that division? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, I guess we're, I guess we're the, stuck the, in the AFC and NFC East is what yeah. we're stuck in. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess the best scenario would be that Josh Allen and Tua Tagovailoa have a rivalry like Jim Kelly and Dan Marino did. I mean, that's obviously the best case scenario wow. that there can there could be. I mean, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but there 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 could be a path for you know a great quarterback rivalry for the next 15 years if Tua develops. I mean, you and I have been on record about expressing some some reservations about Tua, but let I me. Mean, I'm not, I'm not going to say the guy has no chance to do that. It's, it could happen. He could go on and have a fantastic career. But your larger point is correct. Usually there's an alpha dog in a division and a bunch of munchkins, right? <laughs> there's, there's, there's the guy that goes out and whenever a play needs to be, play, be made, 
makes that play and beats the other teams in the division and gets the home field advantage and has a chance to go to the Super Bowl every year. And, it, and the teams that don't have that guy are always angry at the end of the year because they don't have that guy. You know what is going on right now in New England and Miami is they're both both fan bases are having the same conversations about their quarterbacks. And the conversation is as follows. In Miami, the conversation is Tua can be good in 2022 because in 2021, he had no preseason. He had been injured. He was a rookie. He's young. He didn't know it was his first year in the offense. Uh, he, you know, he didn't have a lot of talent around him or enough talent around him, apparently. And things are going to be better in the coming season. In New England, the conversation is the same. Cam is, you know, didn't, didn't have a preseason in a new offense. It is a new offense to him. The talent around him wasn't great. He got coronavirus. And after that, it, it, he just wasn't the same. So he played, you know, hurt and he was behind the eight ball the entire season and now that he's going to have the entire offseason and the entire uh, preseason, he's going to be great. And I'm thinking, okay, uh, show me, because mm-hmm. I, I don't buy either argument. I mean, I expect Tua to be better than what he was last year, because there's a natural progression that should be happening. But let me just say this right now. You mentioned Jim Kelly and Dan Marino. Tua will never be Dan Marino, ever. He's not that. He's He might be Ryan Tannehill, but he will never be Dan Marino, ever. Would you be okay with Jim Kelly? He's not going to be Jim Kelly either. He's not 6'4", 6'5", and 230 pounds with a rocket arm and the ability to, to run like Jim Kelly had initially mm-hmm. and even and and even Dan Marino had early on. Not so much run, but watch the Bears game in 1985 and you, you tell me if Dan Marino wasn't mobile. What about Ken O'Brien? Would you be okay with that? <laughs> I mean... I noticed you're not arguing the point with me about Tua being Dan Marino, but I mean, you think he will be? No. I mean, look, <laughs> I, I think the hype going into Tua as a rookie was overblown, and I also think the criticism now is a bit overblown. I think the the truth is somewhere in the middle. I think he has got the capability. I mean, his absolute ceiling is, is is Drew Brees. I mean, that's the better comp than either. I don't Drew think Bucks. he's what? Oh my uh, God! Well, no, that's that's who he's built like. That's how what his game's like. He's more of a point guard than a three point shooter. You know what I mean? He's or or or, or, or a power forward that dunks on you. He's a distributor, and that's what Drew Brees was. But I mean, obviously, Drew Brees is a baller. I mean, Brees wasn't Brees in year one, and Brees had his own injuries he had to work through. So I'm not going to. I mean, I'm, I'm saying it's a 2% chance he becomes Drew Brees. I'm not saying it's a 0% chance. But th- there is a path for, for Tua, even after what we saw last year, which was not good, which was not good, and he's the first to admit it. There is a path for him to get much better, progressively better, progressively better and, and surprise us. And that's certainly what the Dolphins are betting on. Because if they didn't see that path, Armando, 
they would have stayed at three and t- taken Justin Fields or Trey Lance and oh, Mac Jones, which makes me want to puke in my mouth saying that Mac Jones could be the number three pick in the draft. But they w- they if if they didn't think Tua had any chance of becoming that, you know, Flo. He is a confident guy, maybe borderline cocky at times, but he is a confident guy. And in his mind, he is never going to be picking third again. Never. It's the reason that he was okay giving, you know, shipping their pick to the Eagles and not San Francisco, because he thinks they're going to be really good this year. So in his mind, they're never going to be picking third again when he's the head coach. Um, so they're never going to have a, be in a position again they are to get a quarterback of this caliber, at least as their draft grades are. You know, certainly there are quarterbacks that develop and surprise you down the road. But if if in his mind he didn't think Tua could someday become that, what are we doing? This is a total waste of time. Stay at three and take a quarterback and start over. So I would say to you that Tua Tungabailoa's ceiling is Ryan Tannehill. He is going to be more than functional, I believe. He is going to be more than solid. He is going to be improving year to year, not uh, by leaps and bounds, but enough to suggest, you know, you, you continue to have faith in him. And ultimately, at the end of the day, I don't think he's going to be a Super Bowl quarterback. I just don't. Well, uh, unless, of course, you get a 2,000-yard rusher and mm-hmm. a, a top three or four wide receiver and then another top ten wide receiver and then another top five offensive line with him and a defense that will knock your teeth out. In that case, yes, then he can get the team to the to the Super Bowl as a complimentary player, not as the the, show, the broad shoulders on which the team goes. And you're saying he might be Drew Brees? You better hope not, because if he is Drew Brees, that means that he's not going to be good the first three or four years. And in today's NFL, if a quarterback is not good in the first three or four years, he doesn't get to year five with the team that drafted him. Look at Sam Darnold. Look at Jared uh, Goff. All these guys... Uh, you know, uh, Carson Wentz, all these guys that went to Super Bowls, they're out. They're done. Goodbye. Not Sam Darnold. He went to hell. But, <laughs> wow. But, wow. Right between uh, the eyes, Mondo. <laughs> well, I mean, that was not a great situation for him. But the, the point being, teams don't have seven, eight years to wait on a guy. They don't have five years to wait on a guy. No, you're right, but I will say this. If if your evaluation of Tua is correct and his upside is Ryan Tannehill, they screwed up because you had a guy like Ryan Tannehill. His name was Ryan Tannehill, is Ryan Tannehill, and he's been to the AFC Championship game, and he's made two playoff runs now, and he's gone to Pro Bowls. They messed up because they misevaluated their own talent. And I know his contract wasn't most the most ideal, but, you know, if, 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 if Flo had been 100% committed to Tannehill and Greer been 100% committed to Tannehill and asked him to take a pay cut, he probably would have because he would have he would not have made the, the money he's, he was under contract for in Miami in 2018 and 19 anywhere else. The market has shown that he didn't make that money. And I don't know, maybe Ryan was just done with the situation, too. I have never asked him about that. But, but assuming that Ryan Tannehill was OK coming back and OK taking the same contract that he took with the Titans. They screwed up. 
they wasted they wasted two, three years, four, five years until you get to it to the place where he is Tannehill. And and that would be that's to me that's a bad outcome. That's a really bad outcome if that's what two ends up being. You know, I don't think they screwed up. And uh, with respect, this is the reason. Uh, Ryan Tannehill is not a Super Bowl quarterback, and the goal is to be a Super Bowl team. And it's hard to be a Super Bowl team if you don't have a Super Bowl quarterback. Mm-hmm. And Ryan Tannehill, look, even with all of the talent that I just finished mentioning, he's still not a Super Bowl quarterback. And so he might be great in the regular season when he's playing, you know, four and 12 teams and three and 13 teams and eight and eight teams, and they're going to they're gonna win. But are they going to win championships? No. Well, because the, 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 Ryan the Titans. Tannehill is not a Super Bowl championship caliber quarterback. So the Dolphins had to go from that because they had to know this is not a Super Bowl quarterback. Well, a couple of things. One, the, the Titans defense is not a top five defense. That, is, that was a terrible defense last year. That was they could not stop a nosebleed, certainly in the playoffs and much of the regular season, too. Um, so Ryan was asked to, to carry the team more than the, the scenario in which you're you're describing. But you're already telling me, though, that that Tua is not that guy. You're telling me that he is not going to be a guy that, that carries his team as a Super Bowl winning quarterback. And so it's just semantics. Uh, you know, whether or not you wanted to keep Ryan, um, if, if, if you're convinced and Tua is not that guy, they made the wrong decision by drafting Tua Tungabailoa. I never said that they didn't. Wow. Wow, we are getting good today. It is this no, is a good I, podcast. Look, I mean, I don't know what the future is going to be, okay? And neither does anyone else listening to this podcast. But right now, today, uh, you know, whatever today is, April blah, 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 2021, mm-hmm. you know, the Dolphins made the wrong choice at quarterback. It and argue it with me. Go ahead. Because on the one hand, they have a quarterback that produced less. And on the other hand, the other team has a quarterback that was rookie of the year and threw 30 touchdown passes. On the one hand, you have the quarterback that's six feet tall. And on the other hand, you have the quarterback that's six six. On the one hand, you have a quarterback that is a good, not great athlete. And on the other hand, you have a guy that runs a four six or four six eight. And, and 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 loves it and is a worker. And so you tell me, what is the argument for the Dolphins got it right? There is at this point none. I mean, okay. you, you just you just you, you just have to hope and, and this might be wish casting, but you have to hope that yeah, another year of development, another year of getting healthy, another year of getting his body right. He's put on obviously 15, 20 pounds of muscle. He looks much bigger than he did last year, much stronger than he did last year. And, it, you know, quarterbacks sometimes take a minute, and they take a minute to develop, and, and the light comes on for him. That's that's certainly the hope. But if you're asking me to evaluate the 2020 draft today on was April 6, 2021, of course, they <laughs> it, there's there's it's not even a conversation that, that Justin Herbert had a much better season than Tua Tungabailoa did last year. The, the question is, is A, is that is that – Going is that dynamic going to stay the same or is it going to change? And is Tua going to make a big leap and is Justin going to take a slide back? And 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 the, I think the broader question is to be, 
what happened in their evaluation process that they they were so they 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 were so convinced Tua was going to be good, or so convinced that Justin Herbert was not going to be good, and how did both those dynamics go so wrong? By the way, Ryan Tannehill threw for 165 yards in the NF, uh, NF AFC Wild Card round this year. That, last yeah, year, that wasn't good. 65 yards. That wasn't good. Yeah, Ravens uh, are good defense. Ravens are good defense. Well, I mean, that's what happens in the playoffs. You don't play scrubs, right? You play good teams. I just, you know, like my point was. You, he's good enough in the regular season when you are playing teams that have flaws that are much more obvious and much wider than playoff teams. But once you get into the playoffs, uh, you don't have a Super Bowl quarterback on your roster. One more, one more question, then we got to get out of here. Uh, the Houston Chronicle uh, reported that the uh, the Panthers were among the teams that were uh, inquiring about Deshaun Watson and then obviously decided uh, that that was not going to happen or that was not the best avenue for them with his mounting legal issues. But the Houston Chronicle also reported the Dolphins are still uh, in conversations with the Texans potentially about Deshaun Watson. What do you take of that report? Um, how do I do this? Uh, so it's partly true. Uh, and this is the part that is true. The Dolphins are still interested in Deshaun Watson. This is the part that is not as much true. To say that they're in conversations, I don't know that those conversations are A, uh, very long, or B, happen very often, because there is no real, actual conversating going on so uh you know is it a touch base every couple of weeks yeah but is it a let's talk tomorrow again no and i think that's a smart play because i don't think that there's uh any scenario uh short of each one of the 20 some odd accusers recanting their accusation i don't think there's any scenario that the Dolphins are comfortable trading for Deshaun Watson in the next two or three weeks before the draft. Or I don't think Correct. Um, but, you know, cut down days, six, five months off, and the trade deadline is six and a half months off, and things can change over the course of time. So I think they, I think they were really smart in picking up future assets to keep the door open to, to make a move for a quarterback, whether it's Deshaun Watson, whether it's Russell Wilson, whether it's – player that's in college right now and that'll be entering the 2022 draft. I think they were very wise to do that. I also believe uh, with 99.999% certainty that two will be the opening day starter for the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, that's the way it looks. And, and that's the way it should look quite frankly, because no one has ever said the Dolphins need to draft a quarterback to replace Tua. The conversation all along has been Deshaun Watson. You put him on the field and you put Tua Tungavailoa on the field, and you let them compete, Deshaun Watson is going to win that competition 10 out of 10 times. And so that's, that was the idea of Tua might not be the quarterback in 2021 if they traded for someone who's better. Mm-hmm. And Except 
the someone who's better is many, many legal issues. <laughs> Man, I think he's got more suits uh, against them or as many suits against them now as he threw touchdown passes last year. <laughs> so that's not ever a good look. That's not ever something that you want. Yeah, I mean, I know the conspiracy theories are running wild. The timing is pretty remarkable that, you know, as soon as he started piping up about wanting wanting out, oh, okay, you want out? We'll make it hard on you. I mean, certainly that's there, – there, there are some of the more cynical out there that have that belief. Um, but if, if he is responsible for this behavior, it doesn't matter who the source of the information is. He should he should pay the price because it's unacceptable if what has been uh, accused is actually true, which, again, we don't know. Yeah, I was with you on the when it was one or two, mm-hmm. but it's, I think, 22 now. Yeah, two dozen or something. <laughs> um, I think I think we've hit critical mass a, a while back. And thanks. But I mean, the, the idea that there's conversations that plural thing, that's that's a little weird to me. Well, again, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. It's going to take a long time for this to get resolved. Yep. And, um, you know, I, I think that, that Deshaun Watson will be playing for the Texans or nobody in 2021. And nobody right now is the odds-on <laughs> <laughs> to be very frank with you, for multiple, myriad, multiple reasons. Uh, that's all we got for you this week on the Dolphins in Depth Show. We appreciate you joining us this week and every week. Join us again next week when we will try to get Adam Beasley to actually make some fish, fish instead of meats, and thereby expanding his horizons to other species of edible animals. See you then. It's on. It's on the shopping list, and I'm growing on Sunday. You'll get an Beautiful. update then. 